today on the Political Theory of Everything, I will be giving you your daily dose of news for today's date, Thursday, August 12th. Alrighty, and to start off our news, the usual Daily Wire, and in this article, the title is U.S. sending 3,000 troops back into Afghanistan amid a rapidly deteriorating situation. So, the Pentagon is sending 3,000 troops back into Afghanistan to evacuate American citizens and Afghan interpreters from the U.S. Embassy in Kabul, according to U.S. officials. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby said three battalions, one from the Army and two from the Marines, will enter Afghanistan over the next 48 hours to assist with security at the Kabul airport, and that a brigade of 4,000 Army soldiers was being sent to Kuwait to be on standby if more troops were needed. Quote, Afghan government forces are collapsing even faster than U.S. military leaders thought possible just a few months ago when President Joe Biden ordered a full withdrawal. The Taliban, who ruled the country from 1996 until U.S. forces invaded after the 9-11 tax, captured, captured more than captured three more provincial capitals Wednesday and two on Thursday, the 10th and the 11th. The insurgents have taken in a week-long sweep that has given them effective control of about two-thirds of the country, end quote. That is from the Associated Press. Biden stated last month that it was, quote, not inevitable, end quote, that the Taliban would take over the country once the U.S. left. Biden further claimed that, quote, the likelihood there was going to be a Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely, end quote. Um, so there is that. So they are redeploying back in. That's the thing is, I mean, the only reason they didn't take over was America. So I don't know why the idea was to remove American forces and then somehow they would not take over when you have these weaker governments that either these forces facing terrorists, which are a lot of the times funded by a lot of these countries, the governments. And so, um, no surprise here, we're sending them right back in, um, and now they have to not only do the job of protecting, they have to do the job of protecting and taking back, uh, which will most likely be more difficult and possibly lead to more casualties, but there is that from the Daily Wire. Now from CNN, title, Millionaire Russian Politician Shoots and Kills Man He Says He Mistook for a Bear. I saw this, and I had to, I had to choose this one. So, a Russian millionaire and politician has confessed to shooting a man he says he mistook for a bear. Igor Redkin was, ser was served a two-month house arrest sentence in an interim restrictive measure for accidentally shooting the man outside a dump near the village of Ozernovsky in the Ust-Bolsheretsky uh, district, according to the state-owned news agency RIA. The shooting itself took place on August 2nd, and the man later died in the hospital. Redkin is a member of the ruling United Russia, of which President Vladimir Putin is the de facto leader. It took the wealthy politician four days to confess to the crime after it was reported by the regional chief executive officer of the investigative committee on August 6th. Um, speaking on August 10th, Redkin told officials he was shooting at the dump in an attempt to scare off a bear, but hit a man instead. The shooting was one of two disastrous incidents connected to Redkin to, place ta to take place in recent days. On Thursday, a helicopter owned by his private company crashed into Lake Kamchatka uh, Peninsula in far eastern Russia, leaving eight passengers feared dead, RIA, RIA reports. Um, uh, Redkin owns a fleet of helicopters through the company Vityaz Aero. Um, 
let's see here. So eight people were saved from the crash and then eight passengers are feared to be dead. So there's that. Um, I just thought this was very interesting. He remains under house arrest until October 6th, but what a weird story. Um, only in Russia. Uh, but there is that. When I saw it, I was like, yeah, let's just do this one, change it up. We never do what well, we rarely do stories like this. So there's that one out of Russia. Very weird. Um, we're going to Today is going to be four articles and then a video, so I'm going to skip over Fox News and go straight to The Blaze, and then we'll end in CBS so we can keep that alternating order of um, news, outlets, bias, uh, but today we're going to skip Fox News and go straight to The Blaze and then CBS and then the video that I want to play for y'all. Uh, so from The Blaze, actually, since The Blaze kind of connects to the video, we are going to do CBS first. Um, so it goes conservative, left, left, or right, left, left, right for the source bias. So CBS, title, nearly 200 million Americans are under heat wave advisories. Here's where it's the hottest. Um, a dangerous heat wave is affecting nearly 200, millions, uh, 200 million Americans this week as some regions deal with record-breaking heat across the country. There are 35 states under heat advisories, and some health officials are warning residents to stay inside to stay safe from the scorching hot temperatures. Um, residents in the, North Pacific, nor in the Pacific Northwest will likely face triple-digit temperatures this week following a deadly heat wave that was blamed for 63 deaths in June. According to the National Weather Service, in Washington State, there are more than... Um, Oh, sorry, 33 deaths, 63 deaths in June, and that's according to the National Weather Service. And then next sentence: in Washington State, there are more than hot, there are more, there were more than hospitalizations, uh, 1,300 caused by the police by the heat. Sorry, geez, there were more than. Okay, they switched the wording. That's why they meant to say there were more than 1,300 hospitalizations caused by the heat, but they said there were more than hospitalizations, 1,300 caused by the heat. So it's flipped. All right, let me reread the sentence now that I understand. In Washington state, there were more than 1,300 hospitalizations caused by the heat, officials said. Gee. Um, uh, Den talks about how the heat can kill, and that's going to set some records for some cities like D.C. and Pittsburgh and New York City. So Oregon, uh, you have Portland, um, which will be between 95 and 105 degrees. Um, Northwest Oregon is to face 100 uh, Washington State as a whole, you got Seattle near 105, you got New York in here, Washington DC, Pennsylvania are the other ones mentioned in this one. Uh, so there are those. It's been quite warm around here, um, but uh, just something to keep an eye on. So once again, Oregon, Washington State, New York, Pennsylvania, Washington DC, and I'm guessing it includes Virginia as well because I believe we have one as well. Uh, so there are those. Moving on to our last two, in some relation to each other, well, they're there. They have some connection in a way. Um, just being about school boards. So school boards have been all over the news. We've talked about Laura Morris, um, who quit. We've talked about uh, all the Loudoun County ones, where the Loudoun County now doesn't allow people to come into their school board meetings. Uh, only the people who are talking. Uh, the public is not allowed in. You also have Tanner Cross, who we talked about way back. Uh, he was the PE teacher. Um, and so now we have two new ones. 
Uh, first, uh, from the blaze, title, Iranian Christian dad tells school board if they pass trans pronoun rule, he'll make them call his kids, quote, king, queen, and master, and um, so those two, quote, king and queen, and then also call the dad master. So, an Iranian immigrant father in Virginia told local school board members recently that if they insisted on passing transgender-affirming pronoun rules, he would make them call his children king, queen, and then him master, which we just read. The father issued the remarks during an explosive speech before the Loudoun County Public School Board on Tuesday. It was the same meeting with uh, the same meeting as Laura Morris, uh, where Laura Morris announced she was quitting. Uh, the district would go on to pass the reforms which allow transgender students to access school facilities and groups of their choice and requires faculty and staff to address transgender students by their preferred names and pronouns, reforms that, according to this father, have no place within America's educational system. Quote, I grew up in Iran as a Christian, and when we went to school, as much as the government wanted to indoctrinate us, the teachers didn't allow it, end quote. Um, he said, quote, they didn't try to shove propaganda down our throats like the Ayatollah, Ayatollahs did. Uh, now in the 21st century, we have social justice warriors, so-called teachers, trying to shove their garbage ideology down our kids' throats, end quote. Um, so there is that. Um, he basically says uh, that they are our kids, not the school board's kids, and it's not their job to raise the children, just simply give them an education. Um, teaching, quote, math, science, biology, literature, and that's it, not ideolo ideology. Now you want to push garbage crap like, quote-unquote, pronouns, end quote. Um, he then continues, uh, quote, how the, how the hell does that keep a kid from succeeding? How does that help them? You want to push that garbage down my kid's throats? I will make you call my kids king and queen. That's how you will address my son and daughter. And when you look at me, you will call me master, end quote. Loudoun County has served as the center stage of an ongoing nationwide debate regarding the implementation of transgender-affirming policies in local schools. Earlier this year, the district was sued after it suspended a Christian physical education teacher for speaking out against proposals during the meeting, uh, during the board meeting. And once again, as we mentioned just a few minutes ago, the teacher, Tanner Cross, declared in the speech that he would not lie to his students and defile God by affirming that a biological boy can be a girl and vice versa. Um, the board was scheduled to vote on the rules Tuesday, but was forced to push back to vote due to an overwhelming number of community members who desired to weigh in uh, during a public comment time. So that's the entirety of the article, and that leads then into the video I'm about to play for you uh, out of Mount Vernon, um, uh, Indiana. And um, I'm going to go ahead and play it for you guys. It's not an article. that I can't find articles about it other than dissenting ones, uh, ones that disagree with him. Um, or not even disagree, but like fact check it. And I just, I'm just gonna, I was just trying to find one, you know, that kind of talks about what he said, like this one did, uh, but I really can't. Uh, this video has been taken down off of YouTube many, many times. Uh, it's been taken down off of many platforms a multitude of times. So I finally found it again. And um, Rumble has it as well. Uh, so just a little glimpse ahead. The doctor goes by the name of uh, Daniel Stock. It's Dr. Daniel Stock. Um, and I will now play the audio for you and let you guys hear it. It's about six minutes long. So here we go. Looks like a doctor's signature to me. <laughs> well, that's why I can't read it. Oh. Guilty as charged. Um, 
<coughs> Dr. Dan Stock, uh, 5777 West 700 North, McCordsville, Indiana. Um, to, to address your comment about, gee, it's hard to believe we're 18 months into this and still having a problem, and I would suggest the reason we still have a problem is because we're doing things that are not useful, and we're getting our sources of information from the Indiana State Board of Health and the CDC, who actually don't bother to read science before they do this. Um, I'm actually a functional family medicine physician. That means I am specially trained in immunology and inflammation regulation, and everything being recommended by the CDC and the State Board of Health is actually contrary to all the rules of science. So things you should know about coronavirus and all other respiratory viruses, they are spread by aerosol particles, which are small enough to go through every mask. By the way, the literature that supports all of that is in a flash drive that we presented to you. It's been given to the secretary. As a matter of fact, it quotes at least three studies <laughs> sponsored by the NIH to that exact fact, even though the CDC and the NIH have chosen to, to ignore the very science that they paid to have done. Um, that is why you keep struggling with this, is because you cannot make these viruses go away. The natural history of all respiratory viruses is that they circulate all year long, waiting for the immune system to get sick through the winter or become deranged, as has happened recently with these vaccines, and then they cause symptomatic disease. Because they cannot be filtered out and they have animal reservoirs, and this is a very important point, no one can make this virus go away. The CDC has managed to convince everybody that we can handle this like we did smallpox, where we could make a virus go away. Smallpox had no animal reservoirs. The only thing it learned to infect was humans. That's why we were able to make that virus go away. That will not happen with this any more than it will with influenza, the common cold, respiratory syncytial virus, adenoviral respiratory syndromes, or anything else that has animal reservoirs. So the reason you can't do this is because you're trying to do something which has already been tried and can't be done. Equally important is that vaccination changes none of this, especially with this vaccine. And I would hope this board would start asking itself before it considers taking the advice of the CDC, the NIH, and the State Board of Health, why we are doing things about this that we didn't do for the common cold, influenza, or respiratory syncytial virus. And then ask yourself, why is a vaccine that is supposedly so effective having a breakout in the middle of the summer when respiratory viral syndromes don't do that? And to help you understand that, you need to know the condition that is called antibody-mediated viral enhancement. That is a condition done when vaccines work wrong, as they did in every coronavirus study done in animals on coronaviruses after the SARS uh, outbreak and done in respiratory syncytial virus, where a vaccine used in a vulnerable individual done the wrong way, which cannot be done right for a respiratory virus which has a very low pathogenicity rate, causes the immune system to actually fight the virus wrong and let the virus become worse than it would with native infection. And that is why you are seeing an outbreak right now. In fact, in that flash drive you're going to have coming to you and in the emails with six extra, there will be a study showing that 75 percent of people who had COVID-19 positive symptom cases in Barnstable, Massachusetts outbreak were fully vaccinated. Therefore, there is no reason for treating any person vaccinated any differently than any person unvaccinated. You should also know that no vaccine, even the ones I support and would give to myself and my children, ever stops infection. In 2014, there was outbreak of mumps in the National Hockey League. The only people who came down the symptoms were the people who were unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status. Boy, that sounds like a great argument for vaccines. But a question that you should ask yourself, knowing that half of the people who came down with symptomatic disease had no contact with an unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status individual, where did they get the disease? And the answer was from the vaccinated individuals. No vaccine prevents you from getting infection. You get infected, you shed pathogen. This is especially true of viral respiratory pathogens. 
You just don't get symptomatic from it. So you cannot stop spread. You cannot make these numbers that you've planned on get better by doing any of the things you're doing because that is the nature of viral respiratory pathogens. And you can't prevent it with a vaccine because they don't do the very thing you're wanting them to do. And you will be chasing this the remainder of your life until you recognize that the Center for Disease Control and the Indiana State Board of Health are giving you very bad scientific guidance. And instead, read the articles that are going to come on the email and are on this flash drive and listen to the people in this audience here tonight who actually have recognized the advice they are getting from the CDC and the NIH is counterfactual. And that's why you're still fighting this with this vaccine that supposedly was going to make all of this go away, but has suddenly managed to make an outbreak of COVID-19 develop in the middle of the summer when vitamin D levels are at their highest. By the way, the other thing that would be necessary, any vaccine restriction to be considered is if there were no other treatment available. And I can tell you, having treated over 15 COVID-19 patients, that between active loading with vitamin D, ivermectin, and zinc, that there is not a single person who has come anywhere near the hospital. And we already have studies that show that if you achieve a 25-hydroxyvitamin D level greater than 55, your risk of COVID-19 death will drop down to through one quarter of the population average for the United States. And there are active treatment trials included on that flash drive that show the same is true. So if you were going to discriminate based upon vaccine, you should also discriminate based upon 25-hydroxyvitamin D level, zinc taste test response, and probably previous infections, since there are also studies on that flash drive that show that people who have recovered from COVID-19 infection actually get no benefit from vaccination at all, no reduction in symptoms, no reduction in hospitalization, and suffer two to four times the rate of side effects if they are subsequently vaccinated. Therefore, the policies that you are basing on are totally counterfactual. I don't blame this board for that because I know you aren't scientists and you've thought it was reasonable to listen to the CDC, NIH, and the Indiana State Board of Health, but I would encourage that instead you listen to the people out here in this audience and read what's on that data drive. And if anybody here in this board has any questions about anything on that, I will happily come back and sit with you individually if you would like to explain the science behind this. And if you're worried about being sued by somebody because you don't follow the guidance of the CDC and the NIH, I will tell you have a free pro bono expert testimony at your disposal. I will testify in defense of this board, turning down all these recommendations for free at any time in any court. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Alrighty, so there was that video. Um, so he talks about a multitude, a multitude of things, and um, but it was just an interesting thing. Obviously, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to be able to, you know, fact check him. Uh, other people have attempted to fact check him. I haven't read uh, much of the fact checks yet because, frankly, fact checks are just opinion checks. Um, I mean, maybe they disprove things, but it's just like for the most part both ways it's just opinion checking basically so i'm not going to bother i can't find any genuine articles about it just fact checked articles and it's just like no um so that's that video where he talks about the vaccine a little bit about the masks and um basically talks about previous viruses and it's like you guys are treating this one differently um so there is that video and um a lot of a lot of school board videos popping up and so it's it's going to be interesting over the next few days mainly and then even week just as school starts to get into um as school starts to get into it's it's starting area i don't want to say all schools start now but it's it's um gonna start 
in the next two weeks, I imagine, for most schools. And that's where you're going to see a lot of parents start pushing even more than usual. You might see a lot of parents pull out of the, um, you might see a lot of parents pull out of the public schools and go to private schools. Uh, that's a big thing. And so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, there's one more video I'm going to play for you. I won't provide too much commentary on it, but uh, this one is of Matt Walsh in uh, a Tennessee, a Nashville school board meeting, uh, giving his argument. Hi, my name is Matt Walsh. I'm a community member in Nashville and a father of four. Um, you and the school board have decided that our kids should go to school all day, every day, wearing muzzles like rabid dogs. I have listened to your arguments, and I've noticed that they're missing a few things, namely evidence, data, science, common sense, and basic human decency. You presented no facts at all, uh, so let me do that now. Here they are. COVID poses almost no risk to our kids at all. 4.2 million children have tested positive for COVID. A total of 0.008% of them have died. Overall, 0.0004% of the child population in this country, I'm, not ta I'm, I'm, I'm talking right now, in this country has died of COVID. Twice as many have died by drowning each year. A bathtub poses more risk to your child than COVID. Your child is far more likely to die in the car on the way to school than he is to die from COVID at school. What about the flu? The CDC estimates that 480 kids died from the flu in the 2018-2019 season. That's more than have died from COVID in a year and a half. Now, did anyone on this board suggest at any point that year that kids wear masks? Did anyone in this room suggest that at any point anyone wear masks for flu, which again is more dangerous to kids than COVID? That's a fact. Now, do you know what it's called when you force your children to wear masks for fear of a virus that poses almost no threat to them? It's called child abuse. You want to look up a disease, look up Munchausen by proxy, because that's what this is. If you think I'm exaggerating, then how would you respond to a parent who forced his kid to wear a football helmet every day, all day, for fear of falling coconuts and meteors? Your kid is, is almost as likely to die of COVID as he is from a rock from the sky. And yet, if you saw that, you would say to that parent that he is abusive, that he is forcing his kid to participate in this utterly insane charade in order to satisfy his delusional, psychotic hypochondria. Now, do any of you know what sort of psychological damage we do to children by forcing them to cover their faces, teaching them that the air is toxic, that everyone around them is sick, depriving them of the ability to see each other's faces? Do you know what kind of damage that, do that does? Have you thought about it? Have you wondered about the health effects of forcing kids to breathe through sweat and spit and dirt-soaked rags every single day? Are you sure that there are no health risks? Do you know what the effect is on children developmentally if they're not able to read each other's facial cues? What about learning to read and they can't see the teacher enunciating the words? What does it do to a child's developing immune system if he has to wear a mask all day, every day? Have you taken any of this into consideration at all? Well, you haven't. You're satisfied to place this burden on children anyway, and why? It's not to keep them safe, they are safe. It's not to keep the adults safe, they can all get vaccinated if they want. No, you do it to make yourselves feel better and to protect yourselves politically. The child's mask is a symbolic security blanket for you, not them. It's a disgrace and you should all be ashamed. Thank you for your time. So there was that video, it got cut out a little bit. I don't know why it was um, doing that, but 
he basically says that, you know, if you're an adult and you want to feel safe, then get vaccinated. Like, the kids are safe. If you want to be safe as an adult, you have the choice to get vaccinated. And um, it basically also says it's a political agenda push, not so much a safety push. Um, but there is that clip. So, once again, a lot of people starting to come out. Uh, granted, he is a as, as a, an author, author, author from the Daily Wire um, and podcaster for them. So, he's kind of you know, he's not an everyday person, but still, um, him going out there and saying those. So there is that one. Uh, but that pretty much concludes everything, uh, for today. Um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Thursday and a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening.